You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and Brand Identity Theorist. And in our Spotlight segment, which is now, we have, we are thrilled to welcome a Penn alum, Jesse Becker, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Impossible Foods. Hello, Jesse. Hello. Nice to see you today. Welcome to our show. Uh, and we always love to get a Penn alum back, but you've been really busy uh, before, since you left Penn. So I'm very interested in this idea of Possible foods, which we'll talk about in a second. I know you have a new ad campaign coming out, which is taking it in a really different um, direction. But before we talk about what is Impossible Food, what's your new ad campaign? Tell us what you've been doing since you left Penn. <laughs> oh, well, I'd like to pretend it's just a couple of years, but it's been quite a while. The campus <laughs> looks hugely different than when I was there. Um, I, I spent... Um, I spent a few years on the East Coast working in, in tech with um, B2B software and realized that I really loved working with technology change. I love the idea of being able to do something better and different, mm. but I wanted to do it with consumers, not with B2B. And mm. so I made the leap to go uh, back to business school and I went to the West Coast. And Oh, I forgot that little, your little MBA. Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, and to a little known school that you might have heard of in Palo Alto, Americas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a little yeah, <laughs> starts with an S and rhymes with Tanford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I might know that place. Yeah, well. <laughs> Um, and, and for me, that was a great way to get into consumer tech. And I spent the last 20 years really on the consumer tech side, a, a quick year at Amazon, 12 years at Netflix, um, wow. it was, I think of that as two internet lifetimes, mm. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then a little bit of time at YouTube and Google working on, um, products that scale into the billions. I mean, if you want to go somewhere where you can work on multiple products that touch billions of consumers, mm-hmm. Google's the place. Interesting. Um, and now here at Impossible Foods. Well, I mean, that's good. so interesting. I just want you to talk about that uh, transition. Yeah. That's why I asked you to go through all that, because you have like, what a resume you have. People would, you know, spend big dollars to have a resume like that. But it's very <laughs> much in tech. And how did that get you to go to Impossible Foods? Like, how would you make that jump? Well, I think Impossible Foods is trying to do a lot of what tech companies do, which is mm. Um, change consumer habits in a really fundamental way and to do it at a really fast pace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's what we did at Netflix. We came in and we created a new way of doing things and got people excited about it. And within a few years, you saw Blockbuster going from 6,000 stores to, you know, many less and then to bankrupt mm-hmm. uh, and then on to streaming. And now people forget that Netflix ever did DVDs. And I think mm-hmm. Impossible Foods Path is going to be similar where, mm. I think five years, maybe 10 years from now, people are going to say, remember when we used to eat meat made from animals? How weird is that? Wow. Interesting. Do you think it's really going to be that big a change? I do. I absolutely do. I mean, think about how long it took to go from smoking was okay. And Mm. it it was weird to go into a restaurant and ask for a non-smoking table. Mm -hmm. And now you would never go into a restaurant and imagine there's smoking there. So Mm -hmm. The day-to-day change seems slow, but when you look at it five year in five-year chunks, you can make huge changes. And that's what we think is going to happen. 
Wow, that I mean, That's I amazing. thought you were just doing some interesting things in your ad campaign. But <laughs> <laughs> that, no, Jesse, Jesse's yeah. literally, she's literally <laughs> saying, "Okay, I'm put. This is it. Here's my prediction." And I love that because you know, as I look, Barbara, at sort of the changing consumer tastes, and Jesse can help us unpack this. There's a lot of consumers looking to make adjustments. There's the, the adjustments have a finite. Uh, you know, you know, there's only so much you can do on the exercise front. There's only so much you can do on the sleep front. There's only so much you can do. You have to start tweaking some of these other things on the nutritional front. So I think that is going to be the final frontier, if you will, or one of the final frontiers where a lot of consumers start really trying to understand how they can make some slightly different, better choices that can have long lasting impact on their overall health. I'm assuming that's part of the value proposition. Is that correct, Jesse? It is part of the, the proposition for consumers, but the, the fundamental reason we exist as a company is because we think that the way people eat food today is uh, a huge contributor to climate change. And we actually mm. think the biggest thing that people can do is not change your car to electric, which I recently did, or add mm. solar power to your roof, but actually to stop eating animal meat. Mm. Um, I mean, the statistics are kind of crazy. Um, and, you know, my job, of course, is thinking about how do we take this from a scientific paper on climate mm-hmm. change and mm. turn it into something that's compelling to consumers. But um, if you think about all the land that we use in the world that's devoted to cows grazing, to raising the stuff that cows eat and all of that, it takes up 45% of Earth's non-ice covered land. Mm. Huge amount. Now. Then you look at how much land is taken up by people and cities. It's 1%. Wow. So it, it's like, there's a huge number yeah, of that's cows shocking. out there and the food we grow for cows. And so really what we're trying to do is, um, listen, everybody at some level understands or, or, you know, is denying that the climate is changing and that we have to do something about it. And that's our job. We want to take away animal agriculture as a way to restore the climate to a place where we can live. And if you tell people like, hey, you should stop eating meat. Why don't you go vegan? People are like, oh, you're taking stuff away. No, I know. <laughs> right. I know what, what, what do you want to do? Meat's good. And we're like, we agree. Meat is delicious. Right. What if I told you that I can give you meat that's made from plants and is just as delicious? Mm-hmm. And then you start Before having- we get to that, I, I want to get to the marketing thing about it. But you're saying, and, and that's a whole other area, but we have a little bit of time. So let's, before we get to the marketing part, let me just push yeah. back a little on what you're saying, which I think- think it's actually much bigger than I thought. I mean, it's a pretty big platform. So I'm curious. uh, First of all, I'm curious on what products Impossible Food is going out with and and where their growth is and and how. But I'm also curious how political what you're saying is. I mean, if you're talking about not eating animals someday, uh, if that's really where you're going, how are the farmers and the meat farmers and, you know, all of those people react? You've got to, there's got to be a whole big industry that's not really on your side. So have you, what do you do with all of that? Yeah, well, it is a big industry realignment. And um, I mean, I think a great example to look at is if you look at the um, electric car industry, right? It's a massive disruption there. But it's not like we're saying, take those jobs away and don't create new jobs. We're saying, take those jobs away and come work on something different. And so I think there's a similar um, path that needs to happen in agriculture. And, you know, we Mm. have some ideas on what that looks like, but honestly, Mm -hmm. we're not the experts on what that can and should look like, but we'd love to engage in the conversation. 
Mm-hmm. So, so then getting to, so that's really interesting on that. I mean, like I said, it's a much bigger, I didn't realize we were getting into such oh, yeah. a big area because we started with your hey, new we app. to play. <laughs> <laughs> but now what else? So what's Impossible Foods revenue model? So you've got this one Impossible Beef product, but what are some of your other products? Like, it, are they going to make all their money off of, you know, turning beef into plants or, you know? plant food? I mean, we, we are a food company. We're a food company with a very specific purpose. And so mm-hmm. we absolutely make our money by selling food um, through distributors, through restaurants to consumers. That's how we make our money. Um, and that's why at the, at the very point of this, we believe our job is to make meat that consumers want to buy. And that means that it has to be delicious. It has to have the nutrition profile they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So we've got all the same protein that animal meat gives you, but a lot less cholesterol, a lot less fat. Um, And if you're so inclined and excited about it, you're also doing a huge thing to make the, the planet a better place. Some people are motivated by that. Some people are not. We honestly don't care that much if they are personally motivated by it, as long as they will come over and be with us. Right. So what's the background of the founders of your company? Just out of curiosity, where, how did they get into this space? Are yeah. they have a food background or do they have, you know, cause you no. don't have a food background. So. No, no. And, and I would say about half the company does have food background and half does not. And it's a really great combination of expertise of knowing how to do things and the um, great innovative platform of having no idea how to do things. And so being willing to try different things, right. Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. power in that um, that is really exciting for startups. Mm-hmm. So our, our founder, Dr. Pat Brown, is, is a scientist and a, a very renowned scientist for his work on researching cancer and um, how to uh, analyze the DNA of cancer. And so mm-hmm. he's done a lot of work with that. Mm-hmm. And he hit a point in his career where he was ready for the next thing. So he took a sabbatical. He's like, what's my next thing? And he decided that his next thing, he wanted to do something that would help the planet that would reverse climate change. Mm -hmm. And so he started doing research about, well, what's the biggest thing I could do that would impact climate change? And he came to understand how incredibly impactful in a negative way animal agriculture is on climate. And so then he started thinking about, well, because he's a vegan, but he's like, I get that most of the world is not going to go vegan just because. So I need to get them there because the product's better. How do I make a better product? And he had a theory about how to create uh, meat made from plants that would taste like the meat that we all crave mm-hmm. and figured it out. And here we are. Wow. Uh, I'm Barbara Khan. I'm here along with America's Reed. This is Marketing Matters. And we're speaking with Jesse Becker, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Impossible Foods. And she's talking about actually a much bigger platform of Impossible Foods, not just plant-based products, but really sustainability issues and, and worrying about climate change. And as I listen to you speak, Jesse, I'm struck by the similarities. I recently heard an interview, I don't know if you listened to her or not, by Stella McCartney. Mm-hmm. Um, who really takes a similar point of view with regard to not using animal products in fashion. And she herself is vegan. And I wonder if you've heard her. She was I was like surprised to hear her go off in this, too. I thought it was more like a PETA kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like don't kill animals or something like that. But her 
But her point was way more about sustainability. Have you, I don't want to take you off if you've never heard of her, her speak, but have you heard anything that Stella McCartney has said on this topic? Um, I haven't heard her specifically, but there's, there's a lot of people in the fashion world who are thinking about that similar concept. And so I think we're seeing that movement there as well. So it's just a parallel movement, which is really more about a climate change move, which is like coincident with, I think Biden is announcing his platform and making some moves now politically on this. Uh, he's obviously mm-hmm. um, changed the in this administration has a different attitude towards climate change than the last one, to put that's it mildly. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, so let's switch gears a little. Um, we have, we understand those issues, um, but let's talk about marketing. This is marketing matters, you know, let's yeah. get into our world. So now you got a problem and, and talk us through a little bit your thinking on this. Uh, you started to, but just before we think about your new ad campaign, you yeah. know, this idea that, when people say vegan, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know, maybe I'm speaking just for myself or vegetarian. My first thought is, Ech. and I like veg- vegetables, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but mm-hmm. I also like meat, you know, and I've okay. tasted some products that I don't really like. I mean, I'd rather vegetables be vegetables and meat be meat. That's kind of my yeah. right. yeah. So I'm sure I'm not unique in that. How do you deal with all of that? Yeah, you're not at all unique. That's that's exactly what we're thinking about is um, we know uh, when you say vegan to someone, most people, first of all, half of them aren't even sure how vegan is different from vegetarian. How do I even need to learn about this? Do I want to learn about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is that they think of it as a takeaway. What are all the things you're taking away from me if you're asking me to be vegan? Mm-hmm. And we look at it differently and think, how can we fit into the life you already love but do it in a way that's more sustainable. Mm. And so um, that's the core of the product, which is meat made from plants. But when you taste it, it'll hit all of those meaty notes that you're looking for. Mm. It's got the Mm. juiciness. It's got the the crave worthiness is what I think of. And um, it's a delicious piece of meat. It's a burger, it's tacos, it's lasagna, it's meatballs. It's whatever you want to make with it. And so when I think about marketing it, what I think is first and foremost, Barbara, we have to do exactly what you're talking about, which is get you to reconsider whether it could be delicious. And so that's the number one barrier that people have about trying this kind of food is I assume it's not going to taste good. And so I have to go over the top to show you how delicious it is to get you to reconsider that. Because once you taste it, now we can have a conversation about, mm. whoa, that completely exceeded my expectations. Interesting. What else should I know about this? Oh, it's good for the planet. That's interesting. Maybe I can work this in more than I thought I could. Interesting. Let me ask you this, Jesse, because I think there's, I'm an identity theorist, as Barbara will tell you, because I tell her that all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and she calls me that all the time, which is very thoughtful of her. Uh, but I, I'm in, I am interested on something that Barbara touched on, which is there. There seems to be this. You know, we talk about some some areas, some foods, areas, behaviors, activities can take on symbolic aspects of identity. Absolutely. And for some people, you know, the fact that so I, I've noticed this, like a psychological reaction when someone says they're vegan, that oftentimes people who are are listening to them take away that oh, you think you're better than me. Mm-hmm. Because you're somehow taking some morally higher ground 
in what you do in your behavior. And, and, and they push back against that. It's like there's a, there's a psychological dissonance about like, oh, you're vegan and I eat meat, so I'm a bad person, huh? Well, let's yeah, make I this easy. I was almost embarrassed to tell her I ate meat to your so, I know. I, 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 I do too. You know, I didn't I'm want to confess vegan. that. But, but here's, the, here's the thing, though, because it, it's related to what Barbara said. I remember many years, Jesse, people trying to get me to, 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 to like tofu. Mm-hmm. And they say, if you could just like this tofu, it's pretty much the same thing as meat. And I remember being like, that, that's awful. I hate this stuff. I hate the texture. But it was good because it, it wasn't close enough for there to be any dissonance for me. So it was like, that's the tofu thing. And it's not really close. So, so in some ways, it was psychologically comforting. But now you come along and break the entire paradigm, Jesse, where yeah. you're literally saying here, it's plant-based. It's just as good as the meat. I mean, you, you've basically removed all of the reasons. Like, why would I eat meat? <laughs> if if you, you know what I mean? It's like you've. Here we are. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do you think about some of those psychological issues, breaking down some of those, those barriers around vegan and some of those symbolic things that people will will take eating meat and and have that as a badge of honor, you know, just like, just like how suddenly masks became, you know, symbols of freedom and identity and like all this stuff. And I'm like, well, it's just a piece of cloth to keep infectious disease out of my, my nose. And people are like, no, 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 no. It means so much more, <laughs> you know? And so how do you, how do you, in the marketing piece to Barbara's point, how do you address that? Well, I think the biggest thing we're doing is we're saying we're right there with you. You know, this is not a product made for vegans. This is a product made for meat eaters and meat lovers. Um, and that's just a very different point to start at. So, um, we're not asking you to change all the things that you crave about meat, all the places it fits in your life. I mean, food is such a cultural and identity point, you know, is it the summer barbecue? Is it the meal that your grandmother always made in a certain way? And we're very, we're, we're wanting to be part of that, not disrupted at all. Mm, interesting. Um, and I think that's what is so genius about the product in the first place is mm-hmm. we're saying, you know, People don't have to change. Meat has to change. We'll change. Ah, that's good. All yeah, you have to do so is bring it into where you're already, where you already are. That's good. That's really interesting. So like, it reminds me, you know, of old marketing kit. Cause I'm listening to this. You're actually convincing me, which is surprising because I'm really <laughs> resistant to all of this. Well, wait a minute, Barbara, because you, you eat not, you eat nachos every day, right? So just, just use nachos. I eat meat. I'm not, I'm no paragon of nutrition. I agree, but I'm old and healthy. So I must be yeah. doing something right. You know, yes. I mean, to America's point, she's not making the point on nutrition. Right. Um, so she's not telling me I can't eat my peeps unless they're, Causing mm. climate change, <laughs> <laughs> right? Now, right. Your, your doctor may have something to say about the people. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not <laughs> That's good. But, I mean, America's is way more healthy than I am, but um, so he he eats right and does all these things. I try to, but I'm looking for alternatives. I think it's really interesting. I guess I had in my mind, Jesse, kind of the wrong perception. You you switched it on its head. It's like we're not trying to replace anything. We're giving you an option. Right. If you're 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 trying to talk to a meat lover, which That's I right. didn't perceive that. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's interesting feedback for me. I mean, there is absolutely a movement among uh, athletes to switch to a plant-based diet as a performance change. Mm. Um, And we certainly see that, but that's, um, and we're happy to be part of that, but that's not the mainstream thing that we're trying to tackle. Interesting. Very, very interesting. And let me ask you this though, Jesse, because really quickly, Barbara, and to please help me, you got to help educate me, Jesse. Because I, I watch this stuff and I, I don't know what, what of it is real and what's not. But I, I was reading somewhere, and I don't know if this is even competition for you all, but I was reading somewhere that newer technologies that are allowing 
basically to grow real mm-hmm. animal meat in a lab. Mm-hmm. But there's never there's no process now of like raising a cow and killing it. There's just you grow the cells. Is that real? And is that competition? Or that's that's not what you're doing. You guys are a high tech plant based. It's re- it's it's still yeah. plant based, but it's real. It, it's it, you can't tell the difference between this impossible burger and real meat. Is is that that's but right. is 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 this cell technology? Is that is that competition? Is that what what is that? I, I think it is in some ways in um, in that they are also looking for better ways to make food and meat that humans are excited to eat and want to eat, um, but do it in a way that doesn't steal all the resources across the earth that we'd like mm. to save for other things. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I see them less as competition and more as allies, right? Interesting. Like, we're all working for the same thing, which Interesting. is- we know people want to eat meat. We want them to keep eating meat. We just like them to eat meat that doesn't require 45% of the land. Interesting. Uh, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that I love about um, our founder is he's so clear on the focus and on the mission. He's like, look, if I think there's a better way to tackle climate change, like I'll stop doing this tomorrow and go do something else. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I think not our product's enough. great. But the only reason I do it is because of what it does for the earth. And yeah, so, that's so interesting, you know, Very interesting. A, a it's like all meat birds meat. too. You know, they're not making shoes. They're making something right. better for the planet. It's the same idea. So, so let me get back a little just to the marketing thing for a second. Cause yeah. what I was going to say just in a different tangent, I kind of just wanted to know the answer from a marketing point of view, you came up with your ad campaign, which we can talk about. That is actually, <laughs> we never got to that yet, but, but I was thinking about a time when Pepsi came out with a flavored Coca-Cola that was similar to Coke, but it was Pepsi. Yep. And they were trying to make a point, which is similar to your point, which is um, that Pepsi tastes better than Coca-Cola or something like that. And they came out with the Pepsi Challenge, mm-hmm. which is a very old campaign, but it was very successful. Well, and I, I think that that was a really successful way to get the point across that Pepsi tastes as good or better than Coke. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't win in that case, because even if you couldn't tell the difference, if you tasted Pepsi and you couldn't tell the difference from Coke, then Pepsi wins. because Coke had a much bigger market share at the time. Right. So why aren't you going uh, putting more money behind taste tests and things like that? Um, or maybe you are. I don't right. know. But for me, the most important thing would be for me to somehow or another get this product in my mouth mm-hmm. um and if you really convince me and then then i'm listening actually this is really tastes just like me and i don't know where your price points are i don't know about your whole marketing mix so i don't know if it's more expensive or cheaper i don't know i'm americus's whole point if it's also i'm going to actually lose weight if it's better for me new you know from a nutrition point of view once i get past the barrier of taste now mm-hmm. I'm willing to listen to other things. That's and right. I would argue the best way to get past that barrier of taste is to get me to taste it. So I'm wondering why you're not going that route. Or maybe you are. Have you met coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> we absolutely Barbara. We would we would love to be out there <laughs> eating samples to people every day. And and we have been doing that for years. Um, ah. and, but what we ran into, of course, is with, um, with COVID suddenly it's not okay to walk up to someone and say, Hey, would you like to take a piece of food off this plate that I'm passing around to multiple people? Somehow people are not that interested in it. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> shockingly in this moment, yeah. shockingly. So, so that's actually been one of the what challenges I for that answer. 
<laughs> and and one of the things that we think about, you know, so so the ad campaign that we built. But you agreed. We a hundred percent agree. You want to get the people to taste it because once they taste it, they believe it. Their taste buds are are telling them something that their brain can't quite believe. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. my job, as I think about it in a world of COVID, has been to make the meat look so good on screen that you practically want to lick it. You know, you're like. I am so ready to have this sensory experience. Like I can't taste it, but my eyes feel like I can Mm, mm -hmm. and then get them to go to store and get it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, I think one of the things you had mentioned ahead of time was like, why now? And Mm -hmm. the big now is we spent most of 2020 changing our distribution model, which had been fully um, in the food service space. So at Burger King, at Starbucks, at a number of other restaurants, thousands Mm -hmm. of restaurants across the US, Mm -hmm. but very little availability in retail. And Mm -hmm. we changed that this past year. Now you can buy Impossible at close to 20,000 retail locations. So Mm -hmm. essentially anywhere in the US, you can find Impossible uh, within 10 miles, 10 minutes of you. And that completely changes our ability to go out and tell that story on wide distribution channels, on TV, on YouTube, very broadly, very broadly targeted. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and everything going on at Impossible Foods? Well, you can certainly come to our website at impossiblefoods.com and sign up for our newsletter there. You can find us on all the regular social channels. And uh, thank you so much for having me today. This is super fun. We really yeah, appreciate it. Was you. really great. Thanks that's so all much, we Jesse. have time for. That's all we have time for today. And a big thanks to Professor Americus Reed for being my co-host. We'd like to thank our audio engineer Dion Simpkins and Chris Tooks, and of course our wonderful producer Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from five to six p.m. Eastern Time, and we replay our show several times throughout the week. And you can follow us our, on our new Twitter account, which is. SXM, like Sirius XM, SXM Marketing. And you can also follow us on Business Radio, which is SXM Business, for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening today. Till then, this has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn, here with America's Reed, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.